A bold statement is made in Luke 137, and it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. What a statement. We need more faith if we're going to believe that with God nothing is impossible. Have you read lots of impossible stories from Scripture? Have you ever read anything in Scripture and wondered, how could that have happened? How did that work out? You know what? God makes impossible possible. And when he does that, he increases our faith through these real stories in Scripture. This is not fairy tales. We're talking about real things that happened in life, events that took place and that were historically recorded. It is so important that we always remember that God has a way to do anything. God makes impossible possible. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, conference speaker, and teacher. She is passionate about teaching what to do with what we learn from God's Word. Now back to today's valuable study. There's a really powerful passage in chapter 17 of Luke that says this at verse number 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Wow. They basically were asking him, which was the same as making a prayer request, but they were talking to Jesus live and in person. But think about what they just asked for. I mean, when we ask for an increase in faith, at least I assume that means we're going to get an increase in lessons that build our faith. We may not like how that turns out. Have you ever prayed something and then thought to yourself, now what have I done? (laughs) But I can't tell from this passage whether the disciples were asking this because Jesus had just instructed them that they need to forgive people. Some Bible commentators say that this request is made in general, while others say it was made specifically in relationship to the previous verses in Luke 17, where the disciples were asking the Lord about someone offending them. And he told them to be careful about this. And if anyone were to trespass against them, even seven times in a day, Jesus told them seven times in a day, you need to forgive them. Because sometimes people will come and ask forgiveness and we don't grant it or we don't grant it quick enough. But after that passage, the very next verse was where the disciples or the apostles said, increase our faith. And so one does have to wonder, were they feeling like, Lord, you just asked us to do something too hard, forgiving people who have messed up so many times. We just need more faith. Increase our faith was saying, add to this that's lacking. Make this bigger, Lord. We don't have enough faith to do the things that you're saying to us. And that is so true of all of us, isn't it? But God can increase our faith. And he has tons of examples in scripture And it's so beautiful that there's nothing too hard for him. And that's meant for our encouragement as well as for the increasing of our faith. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. There's nothing too hard for God. And he proves it over and over in scripture and in our lives. So let's look at Peter's impossible in this lesson, and we'll see it, and then we'll see how it relates to us today. The first thing we see in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, is that Peter was thrown into prison without a cause. This is the beginning of the impossible. It says this in the passage, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. 
and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So look at that story, and you'll see that Herod just did things to please people. He was a crowd pleaser. He didn't care if something was right or just or correct. He just wanted people to be happy with him. So he saw that it made people happy to upset the church, and so then he started killing people that were part of the church. And you know what? That's history repeating itself. It's kind of one of the greatest offenses you can commit today is to be a Christian. And Herod had an intention here. When he apprehended Peter and put him in prison, it wasn't going to be so that Peter could walk out on Easter. When he brought him forth to the people, that was going to be a judgment day for Peter. And more than likely, he was also going to die just as James did. This leads to an important reminder. We must expect persecution if we're going to live for Christ, but we should not cause it by being harsh, inflammatory, or otherwise unkind in any way. What's the relevance of this first point? You know that it's part of life to face troubles that we didn't cause. Life often presents us with a rotation of peace and problems, trouble and tranquility. It is normal in the fabric of the Christian life. Number two out of four, we see that fervent prayer was made to God on Peter's behalf. Acts chapter 12 verse 5 tells us, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now the phrase without ceasing also means fervent, stretched out, and earnestly. These people were a massive army of prayer warriors and they were going after it. This wasn't a light little now I lay me down to sleep kind of a thing. This was fervent, stretched out, earnest, into the night prayer. The word church in this verse also means the assembly of the Christian community. Someone in the community or several someones must have spread the word that urgent, fervent prayer was needed. Now, how does that apply to us today? We need to pray with the same urgency we would want someone to pray for us if the trouble was in our lives. We all take turns having prison experiences, things that are earth-shattering, things that are frightening, and things that look like they may not work out. We need to pray like that. This was a beautiful picture, and it was the beginning of people coming to God to handle what was there impossible. The third thing we see in the life of Peter that is so good for increasing faith is this. God released Peter from bondage that may have ended in death. And you know what? God did it just in time. Listen to this passage in Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord, 
And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. What a passage! Now look at this. Let's go back and look at this in pieces. First of all, God must have put those soldiers in a coma. They were knocked out. Two soldiers on either side of Peter, and they didn't feel him getting up? When you're tethered to a couple of soldiers, if you flinch, they're going to move and wake up, and that's why you're between them. That's why you're not off by yourself. This was a miracle. Peter thought he saw a vision. That means he thought he was dreaming. Can you blame him? Think about it. Peter is in there sleeping, which says something about Peter, by the way. (laughs) I guess he figured, okay, my life belongs to God. If these people kill me, absent from the body is present with the Lord. If they let me live, I've already been beat so many times. I know what a beating is like. I'll take my licking and keep on ticking. Peter was not afraid. He was sleeping, and he was sleeping soundly because the angel had to come and poke him on the side. But Peter thought he was dreaming. Now, the impossible made possible by God is that he sent his angel into a locked prison, not an open prison, and without keys, mind you, because God doesn't need keys, and then shined a bright light that didn't wake up the guards. In fact, it didn't even wake up Peter. The angel of the Lord had to wake up Peter. And then God made the chains fall off Peter's shackled hands and then took Peter out of that prison, walking him past two more guard stations and then opened the heavy iron gate for Peter. That gate opened of its own accord because God said so. And just like that, poof, Peter was a free man. (laughs) Now, how does this relate to us today in our faith? Do you know that the more impossible something seems to us, the more likely it is that we're in God's territory. We don't know how he'll do it, but when we can't, God always can. And finally, the fourth thing we see of this incredible story, the appearance of Peter astonished the gathered prayer group. Now that is incredible because are you like that? Are you praying for something and then you're amazed when God answers? (laughs) That's kind of what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. Listen to the passage. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now, come on, hold on. Let's interrupt the passage to say this. Rhoda, Rhoda, answer the door, Rhoda. She ran back inside and she didn't even open the gate. So Peter's outside knocking at the gate. Rhoda's inside trying to convince the prayer group that they're getting their answer to their prayer. And here's what they said unto her. Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. I'm getting stumbly thinking about this. It makes me stutter. Okay, first they they tell Rhoda, you're out of your mind. Thou art mad. But she, she just kept at it. No, no, really, Peter's out there. And then they said, oh, it is his angel. In other words, he must be dead. She heard the voice of his angel. 
So it continues. Listen what happens next. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, shew these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now Rhoda, Rhoda, Rhoda makes me chuckle. She was so amazed to hear Peter outside the gate that she ran to tell the group rather than opening the door. All that, that will forever tickle me. But then the next response is really interesting. The people in the group that were gathered to pray for this very thing, they doubted, and it's understandable. Ultimately, they even guessed it was Peter's angel, assuming Peter had been executed, because that's what happens to people who get taken into that prison. So we can understand how they had a hard time believing that their prayer had been answered, and instead, they thought that they were going to probably just be having a funeral. But Peter kept knocking, and then he had to keep them quiet while he told them how God got him out of prison. And then this is the pivotal thing he told them, go and tell others. Peter was keenly interested in magnifying the Lord through what he had gone through. What's the relevance to us out of this passage? God's amazing answers may be met with disbelief at first. Don't be surprised that you're surprised at what God can do. Just remember to praise Him and thank Him when He does. It's a part of the Christian life to face things that seem like they're too big to have answers. Anything that is impossible to us is just a sign that we've reached our limits, and the rest is up to God. Pray without the expectation that God will answer your prayers your way. Pray with the expectation that God will answer according to His will. And if we really mean it when we pray, Thy will be done, we will be satisfied with God's results. Always remember, with God, nothing is impossible. You've been listening to Keep the Heart with Francie Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Keep the Heart on Instagram. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, Bible studies, and more. Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.